All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 279 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the Kiss FAQ message board. Welcome back, Weeze. Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for staying up late to join us. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be represented by a European. I'm Um, on a holiday. We always have holidays here in Sweden, you know. You guys work all the time, but I'm on a holiday, so I can stay up late. Yeah, we don't know what what holiday (laughs) means. We don't know what retirement means. Uh, Alex, bag boy, who is obviously miserable by the results of last night's World Series Game 7. Um, why they call it the World Series when only Canada and the <laughs> U.S. participates is really rather egomaniacal. But there you go. I was happy that the Astros lost as well. Though I didn't. I did not watch. Instead, I had the pleasure of watching Steph Curry break his hand. Mm-hmm. There goes yeah. that season. And of course, 69th Blizzard can, gentlemen. Hello. Thank you for joining us, or me. I'm going to speak in third person. Uh, we're going to jump straight in. We're not going to talk about the cruise or Vinny or Magic or anything else that's going on in the world. Go over to the FAQ message board or Facebook if you want to participate in those chats. We will catch up next week with someone who went on the cruise and get a first-hand account of what actually happened from their perspective. This week, as the final day of October... We're going to talk about another album that was released in the month of October. And I don't have Kurt's handy reference guide open, so I'm probably going to get the release date wrong. So I'll just cop out and say it was released in October 1989, which should be a very good hint that we're talking about shits. I mean, hits. Caught it in the shade. Um For me, this album came out while I was into the second year of my sentence in Singapore, and it was one I was able to find on vinyl, and like was the case with Smash Thrashes and Hits, I actually played the hell out of it, and it's only over the past 30 years that my opinion of quite a bit of the material has changed, and on some it hasn't, but at the time, I was thrilled by it. It was a move back to the hard rock that I loved of Kiss, away from the polished pop and prancing, though it wasn't without weaknesses, but it certainly left a you know, more positive feeling for me than Crazy Nights had. We now flip those opinions 30 years later that I actually prefer Crazy Nights over this album. But there you go. At the time, I was so happy it was out. I was so happy that I was able to find it in Singapore on LP. And then I went to England for the Christmas holidays and bought it on cassette and CD uh, to make sure I had a complete compliment. And I loved the artwork back then, and I still do to this day. I actually have a I'll see. I can dig it up in a minute. But uh, Daniel, what were your first impressions of Hot in the Shade and uh, and all that? Well, as you remember, I became a fan back in 1984, 85. So uh, by this time, I, I was a full-blown Kiss fanatic. And uh, actually, this was the first record in Sweden that really went under the radar, so to speak. Uh, Kiss had had a top 10 records with uh, Animalize, Lick It Up, Asylum, and I think Crazy Nights were like, was like 11. And Hot in the Shade came in in uh, like 29, 30, something, and quickly 
fell off the charts. So I, I actually missed the release of this one, and I saw it in uh, one of the music magazines that Kiss had released an album. So there were, were no press, uh, uh, no interests, uh, and somehow the, the interest in Kiss had really died at this point. I don't know what's happened, but something with uh, Crazy Nights maybe left uh, Sweden with a bad taste in their mouth. So uh, I actually first listened to this one, I, I guess, in 1990, about half a year, a year after it was released, and uh, I wasn't impressed. No, and I guess we'll find out whether you're impressed now or not when we start the rankings. Ken, how about you? <laughs> Yeah, I remember when it came out. Uh, I can't remember if it was uh, if we got uh, much notice on that one. Um, though I didn't know it was uh, going to be like 15 songs. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I, that is the first album I bought just the CD originally. Uh, I got that, and uh, because I think. At that time, I was starting to get rid of my vinyl, <laughs> unfortunately, at that time, but and replaced with CDs. So I got the CD of that, and it's like they crammed as much as they could on it. They they took advantage of the format and put as much as they can, you know, on it. Um, uh, you know, my first impressions were, yeah, I like actually, I I liked the cover. I thought it was kind of cool, um, <laughs> you know, different, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, first listens to it were, were I knew something was different about it. You know, I guess it was because it wasn't polished, <laughs> polished as far as you know, like uh, some of their other albums. Um, it's obviously later finding out it was demo, you know, form pretty much. So, but you know, I still played played it a lot, and I I did enjoy a lot of it, about half of it. I, I know I played it. Um, for a while when it came out so good album yep good thoughts and you know of course paul stanley would say that uh you know the demo sounded so good that we didn't feel the need to go back and recut them because we didn't think we'd re-grab the energy that we had in the original demo so we left it as is uh you know i guess anyone can make an excuse for why it sounds like demos if it sounds like crap but you wouldn't play <laughs> paul stanley's production now would you um Alex, you know, you're, you're going to tell us, you know, and don't worry about your daughter giving her opinion as well. She's totally entitled to be part of the conversation and awesome. uh, go for it. I was, well, I was two and a half months old when the album came out. So I don't remember much. No, just, <laughs> I was two and a half months, but uh, yeah, I didn't get a copy of it until maybe I was like 13. Um, and yeah, as we go through the rankings and we'll probably discuss a little bit. I like really, I really like like the first half or like you know it's like it's it's such a long album because it's an hour long. It works well on a CD, but vinyl it didn't work too well with it being so long like that. But it's just it's a long album, but enjoyable tracks on some and some not so enjoyable. Yeah, that was one of the things I was happiest about with the album that it you know 15 songs and you know I was like 15 new Kiss songs that's a lot to process and and that was in the day and age when you had Def Leppard coming out with Hysteria which was 63 minutes um, you know Guns N' Roses Appetite was had quite a few songs on it as well I don't remember but that was quite a song but well albums were starting to get longer 
uh, and they were really starting to you know take advantage of the CD format rather than your 22 minutes ish per side of vinyl you now had 60 or 70 minutes of medium uh, to fill and in the case of this album I think we'll all agree that it, that isn't necessarily always a good thing if you just fill it for the sake of filling it with filler um, but I was happy with the image change and everything that went around it. You know, obviously I just showed the back picture of this flyer. I mean, uh, that was the cover of the Hide Your Heart single in most markets. And, you know, it's just a, you know, less glammed, more street without, uh, you know, getting too extravagant in any direction. So uh, let's get straight into the music. As always, we're going to steal the lipstick panels. You know, methodology, and everyone sent in a ranking, and I've translated them into math in order to do a KISS FAQ panel ranking of this album. So let's go straight in at number 15 with a whopping six points. And, oh. I'm, and I'm shocked. Six points is a crap sandwich of a song. Boomerang. Ken, let's start with you on that. Six points. Boomerang, boomerang. Yeah, that one uh, is just, I can't even remember it without listening to it, you know, after a while. Um, it's just a useless try at some kind of, uh, I don't know if they're trying to attempt a speed metal. I don't know what they're trying to do. Um, they're, they're just, it was just a wrong decision to, to even put that on there. Um, I, I do skip it. Um, I know it's at the end anyway, but I just, okay, I'm stopping. <laughs> I'm not going to go any further. Uh, and just, you know, it's it's really a song that should have been left off the album. Yep. Uh, it, there are very few Kiss songs that I do actually reach for the skip button, but that isn't even a good attempt at being Son of No, 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 which is a speed, metal, yeah. you know, kind yeah, of fast exactly. jam. You can imagine, you know, Another let's do one. something like that again. Well, this one just is a complete failure. Garbage filler, thumbs down, should have been left off. Daniel? Well, um, this is really, a, I agree with you guys completely. Uh, I think it was nice to hear the double bass drum from Eric Carr. Uh, and it was a good idea to add a hard rock or metal gene song. I'd always love the ones he did previously, like, you know, heavy stuff like Fits Like a Glove and God of Thunder and War Machine. So uh, a good idea, but they failed miserably with this one. Uh, I really don't know how they could put this one on the album. Uh, the chorus is completely noise to my ears, you know, the boomerang, the, the sound. I mean, Gene sings awful there. And then you, they add some sort of guitar that sounds wacky after that. And uh, in Kiss songs, the chorus is always, uh, or at least most of the time, very uh, remember, you know, something that you remember and uh, sounds cool. But this one fails completely. So I had this dead last on my uh, album review here. And uh, I guess some of you guys had it in last place as well. Yeah, I think that sound of the guitar is it pleading for it to stop, Alex. You know, I I think the best I know I mean, it's a little higher just for number fourteen, but um, if I recall, I think there was a, a story or something of of a signing of Kiss or whatnot, and uh, the song was on in the background. I mean, I think Paul was giving like Gene a bunch of crap for this song, 
And I think, I don't even think Jane remembered writing the song. So I think that speaks for itself. Yep. Uh, it's one of those songs that is best forgotten. All right, let's move on into 14th place on 13 points, which is a massive jump up from that bottom. Read my body. No, no, no. Um, Pour Some Sugar On Me was good. Aerosmith with Run DMC was very good. Read My Body, bad. Alex, straight back to you on that as, uh, you know. You know, I hate this Seal of Paul thing. It's not a good Kiss song. It's it's definitely, it's not a terrible song of the time, of the 1989 time period. I could have seen, like, maybe, like, a Millie Vanilli, even though Chris didn't ever sing this stuff. But <laughs> I could have seen, like, Millie Vanilli kind of doing the song. And it would have worked for them, but it's not a good Kiss song. Girl, you know it's true. Read my body. Oh, God. Uh, Daniel, <laughs> you actually ranked this the highest of us. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I need I you to justify yourself here. Yeah. Because, uh, I knew you were would have it, I mean, uh, dead last or second to last or something like that. So I had to put it up a bit higher just to ch- shake things up. But I actually like the riff. I kind of like the riff. And I agree with Alex that it isn't per se a bad song. I think it could have been good but but it really doesn't work as a kiss song um, even though paul stanley has tried the rap thing once before on the lick it up album i think he did it better back then when when they did all hell's breaking loose and this is his second attempt at rap i think uh, i wish he wouldn't have done that but but this is one of the few songs on, on this album that actually has a a riff that's uh something to remember and uh, i think the chorus is kind of catchy you know i mean i remember the first time i listened to a record i this was one of the few songs that i remembered but uh um then they add all kind of crazy stuff like i think it's like tambourines and uh, you know stuff like that and uh doesn't really work but but it's be- a whole lot better than a lot of other songs on this record yeah i'll agree with to you me. on that yeah, it's the rap section that's bad. Musically, it's okay, and the chorus is very catchy. So, you know, it's certainly up there with Let's Put the X. And, you know, it could have been from the same sort of writing sections as, you know, You Make Me Rock Hard, Let's Put the X, and Read My Body. Ken, your thoughts? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think, it's, well, it's better than, I think, X and Sex and Rock Hard, um, but not much. Um uh, I think the first couple of times I listened to it, I thought it was kind of catchy. And, you know, like Daniel said, um, it, it was. And then then le- the more I listened to it, the more I disliked it. Um, it's kind of just dropped off for me. It's like I, I knew they were ripping off somebody. I didn't, you know, realize it was, you know, like Def Leppard. And they're probably ripping off someone else, too. Um, but uh, it's just I just don't you know care for it that much um i don't know if it's i mean the again the chorus is sounds catchy but it's it sounds like uh a bunch of other songs that were going on around or just before that so yeah it's not it's it's low on my list yep following trends not setting them though <laughs> how many trends can you set when you're kiss and you've already said a whole bunch all right so in 13th place 
<sighs> this one's not going to get a lot of love, I don't think. On 18 points, so still in the manure heap, you love me to hate you, also mm. known as I hate myself for loving you too. Um, <laughs> and that was what I thought, because I'd listened to the shit of that Joan Jett album. I'd listened to that until the tape broke. I loved it. I mm. thought it was a fantastic, one of her strongest albums all around. And then this one comes out, and immediately I'm like, really? Um, so as a song, I don't think I even like Paul's vocal on this, let alone the fact that I, you, you know, the song's already been written, you know, it's already got that strike against it. So it's one I've never liked. Um, Joan Jett's was better, is better. And she's still a monster. Alex. I, um, I ranked it a little bit higher. I mean, it's, it's on my, on my personal list, but you know, I think we just discussed a little earlier about the album being 15 songs. I think a lot of times, a lot of us go, if you were to cut five songs off, and this is one of those five that I would have cut off the album. It's just, it's just a struggle and stuff. And, you know, knowing with Paul's voice and the condition is now not to go in that whole, you know, rabbit hole, but I'm like, Paul, you wasted your voice on a song like this. Like, dang it. So, yeah. Yeah. Daniel, you had this a little bit higher up as well than, you know, me as a hater, I guess. Well, I, I agree with Alex. This would be one of the songs I, I would uh, not put on the album. I would use some stuff, some leftovers from Crazy Nights like Sword and Stone or something instead. But uh, um, I think uh, Paul Stanley's singing on this one is kind of cool, you know, when he can do those high-pitch uh, that high pitch mm. singing, much like my way, but it's just too much. You can't do it through a whole song. At times you should use it, but you need to vary, vary the voice. Uh, it just doesn't work. And I, I, I never liked the title. I mean, English is my is not my native tongue, so I had a hard time just understanding what the hell do you mean? You love me to hate. Well, mm. going from cool titles that like. King of the Mountain, Heavens on Fire, Crazy Crazy Nice to this crap. And I, I don't know. And uh, the pre-course is so classic 80s. And uh, uh, I think you talked about Def Leppard. I think there's a, there's a guitar riff on the chorus that's very Pyromania sounding, if you listen to it. Um, and I know Julian loves Def Leppard, but, but I don't think... That's enough for this song to be in your top three or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to compare the bands that I like because it never works out well. Ken, what are your thoughts on "You Love Me to Hate You"? Yeah, that, that's that was my fourteenth ranked song. Um, the vocals, uh, like Daniel said, I mean, it is too high, and it it just I don't know what it is. It just grates on me that vocal that he did does on the song um on the course especially um and uh it's kind of like you know someone's nails scratching a chalkboard to me that's how that's what it feels like um so i i i just i i don't know that the chorus is just too high and the chorus is no good it's just too high of singing and no it's just no good that's the no bueno all right <laughs> moving on or moving up as the case may be in 12th place this one hurts me guys you guys have hurt me with this mm, this right. ranking on 22 points cadillac dreams 
the immigrant song of the 1980s. The <laughs> anything is possible. Right. The song that warms my heart as an immigrant that I had Cadillac dreams as well. And you guys just bagged on it and hated it and brought it down into the realm of you love me to hate you and read my body. So uh, let's see who ranked this the, the lowest. Daniel. Yeah. Second to last. <laughs> yeah. Second to last. Well, even though all that you just said is uh, perfectly true, I mean, the chorus is uh, Gene Simmons, what he's about, you know, going for it, uh, aiming high, getting money, and all that kind of stuff. But what the hell? Uh, tambourines, trumpets, and all the other shit on this song. I, I don't know why he felt the need to add... Why couldn't he add a bit more bass or something? Then it could have been cool. This could have been something like in the vein of Domino with a cool bass, but you... That's a problem with this album. I don't hear a bass. I think there's one song on the album where you clearly hear a cool bass line, and we'll come to that later, but uh, the soul on this one is not one of my favorites from Bruce. Uh... It's kind of similar to like uh, Love's Like a Slap in Your Face. Uh, a short song, but it feels like it never will end. I mean, it's same stuff all over and again, then nothing that sticks out. And uh, turn up the bass and play it like Domino, but this just don't cut it. I would never put this on the album if I was Gene or Paul. This would be a leftover. Okay. I like the chuck a vibe of it, you know. So it's always been more about yeah, the vibe. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but with a bass and so, that kind of stuff, you could have made something cool out of it. But a trumpet, it's got a trumpet. brass. It's bigger grand. Yeah, brass. Brass is a kiss song. Aerosmith did that. They put brass yeah, on their songs. Yes, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to be able to persuade Daniel. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on Cadillac? You know, I. Uh, I like to spend a reference to it. I felt like they they took the horn players that weren't playing on the Chicago albums and brought them in for this album for that exactly. song. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Chicago, <laughs> but I just you know it's it's not like a terrible song. I just um, I think there were some better Gene songs on the album. Um, I, mean, I think kind of like what Darren said though, you know maybe just a bit more heavier bass. Um, kind of take off the polish, you know, kind of like how sometimes I think we look at some unmasked tracks or dynasty tracks and just, you know, wish it was a little bit more beefier than what came out on the album. Good, good thoughts. Ken? Yeah, I, I think I liked it more than, um, you know, when I first got the album. Um, I liked it a little bit more. Uh, and over time, it just, I think, I, I, I understand the, uh, maybe some of the horns, but the horns weren't orchestrated to me. It didn't fit well, just the way they were done. Um, so that's kind of like, yeah, if they were done more like Chicago or something, yeah, it would have been better. Um, and then the shuffle, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of a shuffle kind of song. Um, it, it's, it's good. I like the theme. I like the lyrics. I like the idea of it. Uh, just, uh, yeah, just the I think the actual music or the way they put it together didn't work for me. <laughs> All right. 
So these four songs are way the lowest ranked, and then there's a big jump up to the next one. So I think these mm. four are ones that this panel would cut from the album, without a doubt. Um, so let's move mm. into 11th place. I guess we could get away with an 11th song, Hot in the Shade. Um, on 28 points, Prisoner of Love. And again, I've always liked the vibe of this song. Um, I also think it's probably Gene's best vocal on the album. Um, mm. Just, uh, I always liked this song, I, and I really can't put it down to whether it's the music, the vibe, the the vocal. I just like the whole package. Um, Ken, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree that his vocals were pretty darn good on this song. Um, it is a song that's, you know. Uh, kind of you know catchy um i noticed a lot of the gene songs other than cadillac dreams <laughs> maybe boomerang um on this album are a lot of good riffs in the songs just very memorable cool riffs um and i mean this has some of that in there but uh yeah I, it's 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 on the lower end compared to his other songs, the rest of his songs that are on this album for me. Um, I don't skip it, but it's, it's just an average song. Yep. Alex. Um, I, it's known that the song came in 11th. It came in as one of my low, at least, uh, lowest five tracks. So kind of on par there. Uh, it's not a terrible, uh, Gene song. Um, and and the sense I actually do like his vocals on it uh, as well. Um, I just think there's better Gene songs on the album, but I do like his vocals on on the album. Um, it's a bit catchy, you know. It's interesting. This album is one of those ones I don't listen to all the time, but every track that we can discuss on this album, I can I can hear the melody in my head. If you said Prisoner of Love, I could hear the melody of Prisoner of Love. I could hear every song's melody. Well, I think some Kiss albums, it's not like that. So I'd give a little credit there. This album got in your head. Daniel, you ranked this the same as me. So um, why do you, 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 you obviously like it as well. Well, I have to agree with a lot of the stuff the other guy said. I mean, uh, kind of a meat and potato sort of song. Uh, sort of cool, but nothing that stands out. I really like the... Um, uh, what's it called? Like uh, the stick where he go, uses the ride every car. And I like that st that part of the song. Uh, but other than that, it's kind of you know nothing specially especially nothing special happens, and um, it's okay. And uh, Gene's singing, of course, is good, excellent. But I think it was excellent throughout the 80s, so that's not a surprise to me. But uh, nothing special. I would give it like a 6 out of 10, this one. Uh, a bit subpar, you know. But okay. But middle of the pack as far as Hot in the Shade is concerned. Uh, I, th I think that's, you know, very clear. And is it Eric Carr on drums, or is it a drum machine programmed with Eric samples? Or is it just a drum machine? Because that uh, permeates the album. You know, how much of it is Eric Carr, how much of it is... Eric Singer demos. Eric, I think, has said, you know, that Eric, the other Eric, came back in after and drummed over his demos so that none of that remained. And I think there was one song that is Kevin Valentine. Um, and that I think is mm -hmm. King of Hearts. But uh, moving on, we have a tie in 10th and 9th place on 30 points. 
loves a slap in the face, ties with Little Caesar. Now, for me, Little Caesar was a disappointment. Obviously, I was thrilled Eric finally got a proper vocal, mm -hmm. not singing one of Peter's songs. But I didn't think the song was that great. And now that we've heard the stuff on Rockology and known what else was presented to the band around that time, uh, it really, you know, is just a, a little bit disappointing. Um, but it's got a good vibe and a good lyric and a good, better yet, a good story to it. So I like that one. Loves a slap in the face. That's like Gene's reaction to Paul. Hey, I've just written this song with Desmond called You Love Me to Hate You. Oh, well, I'm going to write. That's a great title. I'm going to write something like, here, loves a slap in the face. So Simmons goes out and uh, generates one of those. So, um, you know, again, very much middle of the pack. Little Caesar is what it is. Loves a slap in the face. Eh, it's kind of meh. It's got, you know, it's it's filler. Ken, both of those. Yeah, um, yeah, those songs are on my list, seven and eight, so they're right next to each other, which kind of makes sense. Um, Little Caesar, yeah, it, I think Little Caesar moves up more for the fact that, you know, it's Eric Carr getting his lead vocal. Um, and it's okay, it's a, you know, okay song. Um, it's just, it's not a song I, you know, go to like, I have to say, oh, I, oh, I need to listen to, Little Caesar, I haven't listened to that in a long time. I, I don't ever you know, say that. Say that. Um, and then the other song, Prisoner of Love. Yeah, it, or, or no, I'm sorry. Uh, Loves a slap in the face. Um, that yeah, that's another your typical kind of '80s, you know, Gene type song. Um, though you know, I, I like it. I like it. You know, pretty. Pretty much, you know, it's, it's not bad. I I can, you know, make it through the whole song okay. <laughs> Daniel, what are your thoughts on those two songs? Well, I think it was a missed opportunity uh, with uh, Lil Caesar. Uh, I really like the one, uh, what's it called? Uh, the one that that band did a cover of recently. You did a, a podcast eyes, with the it. Eyes of Love. Which yeah, is, of course, that one. I think oh. that song should have been on the album. Uh, it was a much better song. Or, um, yeah, I would like that one more. So I think uh, this song might rate a bit higher than it should on most people's list, mostly because it's Eric singing. I guess guys give it a bit more love than it really needs. I think I had it in like 11th place. Uh, but at least the song has an ending. I think that's something that lacks on this album. I mean, they just fade out every song, but in this one, there's an ending uh, that they thought out uh, previous. Uh, they had a thought out ending, and I like that. Mm -hmm. Something they changed very much for the next album, where they had good endings to a lot of songs. And the other one is one of these songs that you easily forget. Uh, was it love is like a slap in the face? <laughs> I've already yeah. forgotten. Yeah, yeah it was forgotten. Yeah, yeah. It's a you know classic Gene middle of the pack song, uh, a lazy Gene song. Uh, kind of remembers, uh, reminds me of the stuff he did on Animalize, but this one is a bit better. You know, he it does something and really doesn't put in the effort in order to make it great. Um, so it's okay, but still kind of boring, and you have this demo-ish feel when you listen to it. It's not it's it's like it's not really completed. Uh, maybe if he had given it a bit more time, he could have done something with it. But middle of the pack, 
Yep, so right now I've got the set list coming in for the uh, Kiss Cruise Acoustic. They've yeah. got uh, A World Without Heroes and Shandy, the full Shandy, with Bruce. Mm-hmm. So, there we nice. go. All right. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on Little Caesar? I, and the- uh, so, Love is Slapping the uh, Face, that one actually is, like, right in the middle of my list. Um, I, I liked it a bit better than some of the other Gene songs. Um I kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's almost like a singing talking that he's doing when he's singing the verses and stuff, and kind mm-hmm. of always like that. Um, it's definitely a, a, what do you call it, a dated song. You know, it's definitely 1989-ish, you know, 90s era material. Uh, Little Caesar, I ranked higher, and I think I'm probably guilty of what Daniel said, of kind of giving a bit higher with, you know, probably Eric Carr factor to it. But I have liked the song. Um, I actually had the box set first. Uh, the Kiss box set, so it had uh, Ain't That Peculiar, but it was to the same riff, just different mm-hmm. lyrics. And I actually like the music. Um, I think the lyrics, you know, probably could have been worked a little bit better. Um, and I was disappointed it really wasn't performed much on the Hot in the Shade tour. Um, just because I would have you know, liked to have seen Eric sing more songs than what he was kind of given. And I, and I do feel that this is probably, he probably went with this one just because it was the only song that we're going to let him sing. Um, but I agree as well, you know, the stuff on Rockology is definitely a, there's a lot better contenders that could have been a better cut for the album. Yep. All right. So we are now into eighth place. 31 points, Silver Spoon. And I ranked the, actually Daniel and I both ranked this uh, third from last. And uh, Daniel, why don't you start? Um I don't know. I, I think the I don't like the title Silver, Silver Spoon, and my main problem with this song is probably the the lyrics. I mean, he's talking about showing some some broad that he he, he can show her him his stuff, and, and you know, and then the next sentence he's talking about his mommy and his daddy. Uh, Mama told me when somebody said, and like my daddy said, and then he's trying to you know, uh, hit on, on some broad. I mean, it's, it's just a mess, the whole, uh, the whole lyric. So, uh, you don't want to hear about a mommy or daddy when, when you're trying to listen to a sexy kiss song. I mean, it's, uh, bad. And, uh, and also adding that girl choir at the end could have been cool, but I mean, it comes from nowhere and there's no uh, reason for having it there. So um, this is another one of those messy songs. I never liked this one, and um, it it just doesn't work for me. It's it's uh, you know number thirteen on my list. Remember what I said about uh, you know Gene hearing a song title and writing his version of Paul's song. Well, this is like Paul doing the same. To Gene comes in with the demo to Cadillac Dreams, and Paul's like, I'm going to write a song about that as well. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth either. But Daniel, mm-hmm. as as a non-English speaker. Did the phrase silver spoon mean anything to you, or do you have anything like an equivalent of that in Swedish to someone who's born from entitlement? Yes, we have equivalents of all your your uh, what is it idioms or whatever it's called. Uh, uh, so I understand it, of course, but but back in the day, I, I don't think I understood it. I might have missed uh, what it meant. But still, I hate the fact that he's mentioned mommy, daddy, and then I'm hitting on this broad. That's just wrong. 
Yep. Shouldn't sing about a silver spoon. Should sing <laughs> about a wrong. golden fork or something. A uh, fork. Wooden or a pla- plastic butter knife. <laughs> golden shower. <laughs> plastic. <laughs> All right. Hey, calm, uh, down, calm down, R. Kelly. <laughs> Alex, uh, Silver Spoon. I rank this as my number one. I'll throw it out there right now. I like this song. I really like it. I don't. I, it was on the box set. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. This was your what pick? I, this is my number one. I really like this song. <laughs> <laughs> um, Holy cow. I, don't know, I just, I really liked it. Now, granted, I had the Kiss box set first, and, and so I think there's probably a little bit of that because there was only this forever, and uh, that ain't that peculiar, which is like the Little Caesar with different lyrics on on it. So um, that was kind of like my introduction to to the Hot in the Shade air material. Um, I just I don't know, I just really liked it. I thought I think the vocals were good on it, um, and I actually liked the female singers on the end, just because there was something a little bit different for a Kiss song. I mean, that's the tough thing with Kiss. Sometimes they do something different, and you're like, why would you guys do that? And then sometimes they do something different, and you're like, that was cool. That was actually pretty cool, at least on my end. Daniel probably begs to differ with me, and he's probably like, nope, don't like this guy no more. That's okay. Your daughter disagrees with you as well. But that's actually a very good point that you just made, that this was one of the songs put on the box set to represent that era of Kiss with Hide Your Heart Forever. And uh, the Smokey Robinson song, which was, I still want to know whether they got sued over Ain't That Peculiar, since it is totally that song's lyrics just put to Eric's music track. But I think the choir, I think the choir is is another one of those those things on this album. There's no like uh, consistencies through the album, like Revenge, where they had thought out what kind of things they would use on the album. Here you have brass, you have uh, tambourines. You have girl choirs. I mean, it's like, let's put everything on this album, and then maybe something will work. I, yeah. That's one of the things I hate about this album. What's one of those other idioms? Hodgepodge? Yes. Exactly. Hodgepodge. Yeah. Ken, your thoughts on Silver Spoon? Yeah, I mean, you said uh, Smokey Robinson. Was it Marvin Gaye? Anyway. Ain't that peculiar? I'm I'm pretty sure it's uh it was written by Smokey Robinson, but it, it oh that was co- written by okay yeah, okay but it, it right. could have been covered by I, I don't um, the Temptations anyone I uh, uh, Marvin Gaye anyway anyway it's fine <laughs> it doesn't matter I mean yeah I'm surprised that it was even on the, like the box set that's just a surprise I don't even remember I haven't looked at my box set in a while so I didn't realize that was on there I wouldn't have picked that one uh, to put on there uh, but yeah, I mean, I ranked that six on my list, and I almost was being, I think I was being too nice by ranking it that high. Um, but uh, I think it could have been slipped a little lower for me, but uh, I put it there. I thought, you know, yeah, this pretty good chorus on it. Um, I don't know, the subject matter is kind of whatever. Um, but the actual the tune itself was, was pretty good. So uh, that's where it is. Okay, that was me looking for my mute button. Um, okay, so we're going to move on. Oh, that's a nice one. Another one talking, singing about mommy. Um, in seventh place on 33 points, King of Hearts, which I think should have been a single. I actually, I do like that. I, I, that's a guilty pleasure. I like it far more than I should admit. Where did I rank it? Um, where did I rank it? 
Oh yeah, I ranked it in fourth place on mine. So wow. yeah, I I just really like it musically, <clears throat> and I, I think the song title, you know, for something stupid, King of Hearts, uh, it's a card, yeah, um, is really fun. It's a fun, stupid kiss song, like uh, all night, King of Hearts, and. Up yours, you're all looking at me like I'm a complete idiot right now. Daniel's like trying to trying to see how I'm going to start drooling or something. Daniel, King of Hearts, your thoughts? Actually, I, I don't think it's a bad song. I kind of like it as well. Um, I think it suffers from bad production. It could have been a lot better. Um, uh, I kind of like the intro, uh, like the break, and then the intro comes back and Paul kind of speaks over it. Uh, I would lose the choir on the chorus. I think that puts it down a few notches, you know. Uh, it's enough with Paul singing, I'm the king of hearts, maybe adding some sort of echo effect on his last, you know, hearts. But the the the, the choir, kind of the backup singers, uh, never sounded right to me. Uh, I think it's very mon- monotonous or however you say it. It's like the same tone all the time. Uh Oh my god, they destroy the chorus. And uh, once again, they do the fade out at the end, just when Paul is getting into the zone and starts belting out the the notes, they uh, start fading out. So you can barely hear it, but he's doing some great stuff at the end. So uh, this is something they did much better on the Revenge album once again, uh, when they made an effort to end songs, not just fading out the songs. So uh, I'm actually with you on this one, Joel. I think it's quite a good song, but uh, once again, the production uh, kind of put it, put it, puts it down a few notches for me. Yeah, great lyrics. So shining like a jewel tonight, <coughs> love is gonna rule tonight. Yeah, I'm gonna be the only one, the king of hearts. And he sings it so well, and it pop perfection again from you know Paul and Vinny Poncia. Um, Ken. Yeah, you know the intro when I first even first hear the little uh, guitar notes at the very beginning, I thought, oh, it sounds like Mama, you know, Mama Mia, Abba, you know, the the, the little the little that's, intro. That, that might be what, what, why I like it. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it's it's uh, to me it's it's kind of uh, I, I don't know it's it's kind of multiple songs to me crammed together. In certain areas, though, I think you know, yeah, Paul does sing it well. Um, I don't care for the chorus that much. I just don't think it's a, that great of a chorus, um, or the lead up to it. Um, so it's a song that I don't care to listen to that much. Though, I mean, it fell where did it fall? Well, it fell twelve on mine. So it's 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 a it's a song that would have been to me. I would have left off the album. Uh, I just don't care for it. I'm getting the feeling from this ranking that Hot in the Shade would have been better as an EP of four songs. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alex. I uh, I ranked this as nine, so it would have made my cut for my ten if I was to do Hot in the Shade as a ten song album. Um, I like the chorus, uh, but I think you know, I know Daniel's not a big chorus guy. I don't know, maybe it's just because of my upbringing, you know, listening to the like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir on Sunday, stuff like that. You know, I, I grew up with some of that, you know, that angelic kind of style of music in my in the home as well. So I think it's, it's something I'm a little used to and, and stuff. And I, I kind of like the melody of it and, and so forth too. I always thought the intro 
kind of gives it like a kind of a cool eerie kind of like street fighting kind of a feel and stuff like you can almost picture almost like the the uh hydra heart video you can almost picture them if they did a music video for the song of doom or something like that like in the city you know in the nighttime with you know just rain kind of a uh, feel to it well that's it you, you, that was like the end of a kiss song on this album it just kind of faded out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right so moving on in sixth place on 35 points what i think is the best gene vocal on this album a song that features tommy thayer on acoustic guitars sure. the street giveth and the street taketh away danny i'm going to start with you on this because you've been big on these titles that uh you know don't necessarily translate well or for 14 15 year old you oh how did this one work as a title translating it into your head when you're reading it for the first time well i think i got it but uh to me today it seems kind of silly for gene to sing this type of song uh, then i prefer i much more prefer the way he he, he did cadillac dreams where he, there's actually some substance to to what he's saying this is just he uh, talking about how tough it is in the streets and that's one other thing about this album they tried to sound very street but it was a long time since kiss were street i mean they were millionaires so uh, it felt fake to me. Uh, and another one of these Gene songs on this album that could, uh, I don't know, use some input from other guys, from more guys. I don't know, did he write this with Poncia or, or someone? I don't know, but uh, uh, it, it's another one of those Gene lazy, kind of boring songs. And what's up with all the acoustic guitars? Was it Blaze of Glory with John Bon Jovi that did it? I don't know. But turn up the fucking bass and do something with it. Acoustic guitars. Well, they used to write a lot of their songs on acoustic guitar, and then if they sounded good on acoustic, they assumed they would sound good on electric. You never did... heard any acoustic guitars on Crazy Nights, Asylum, Animal Eyes, Lick It Up. Why now? It's you didn't hear any guitars on it. <laughs> so down. And, and of course, this was not co-written by Poncia. This was co-written by Tommy Thayer. If you're looking for someone to blame, oh, it's his fault. <laughs> but I, you know, I just think it's a really good vocal by Gene, particularly on yeah. the chorus. I, I like the song. And no, it's not street. But Kiss was never street. They weren't street when they were out on the streets. You know, they were never a tough band. They were never tough guys. You know, they had people like Sean Delaney to be the tough guy or Moose or JR. Those were the tough those were the street guys. You know, Gene Simmons was about as street as Professor Urkel or something. Yeah, yeah but you at least at least you thought it back in the day. Now you knew that he wasn't really you know he was posing with his Rolls Royce and everything. And then he sings this kind of stuff. Uh, to me, it doesn't work. No, even Tootie Fields had his number in '74 when he Tootie was. Tootie Fields. Am, yeah, I am. I am evil incarnate. No, you're not. You're just a nice Jewish boy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you know, totally not street at all. <laughs> you know, I I could just see little Bert Paul Stanley running away from trouble as well. So not a street band, <laughs> and probably not very credible when they're singing about the street. Alex. You know, I, I really liked the um, the sound of the chorus of the, on the song. It reminds me of, like, Trial by Fire, 
um, mm. on Asylum. Just kind of like, you know, loud and, and definitely, uh, what should we say, duplicated or layered um, for the chorus, you know, which definitely not three guys singing it. They definitely, I feel like they, they recorded their vocals and then layered another layer of that recording on top of, of it. And so I do like that uh, quite a bit on it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't rank this one that high, um, though I, you know, I like the song. Um, uh, but you know, it's again another one that's. I, I see uh, Alex's point on the trial by fire. Um, I can, you know, I can see that in in the the chorus um, that it's very similar in that way. Um, but it's it's a good song. It's a it's a regular old Gene song. Um, trying to you know <laughs> come up with another subject besides the old you know is 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 sexual uh, songs innuendo songs so i don't know i i don't see it i don't see that yeah like uh daniel says this you know the street kind of uh theme and uh, i i don't know I don't pay too much attention to the lyrics in that song anyway. <laughs> yeah, this one, you ranked it the low, so this is borderline for even being on the album as far as you're concerned, I think. Yeah. All right, yeah. Move, moving on into fifth and fourth place, we have another tie. And my initial mm-hmm. response when I was looking at these is, how the hell are these rated so far up this list? On 38 mm-hmm. points, we've got Betrayed and Somewhere mm-hmm. Between Heaven and Hell. And when I first listened to this album, and you start off with the wonderful rise to it, which is just ripping off Cinderella and what they've done on Long Cold Winter, and then Betrayed comes on, I was like, I'm not too sure where we're going here, because it just, it's not a great song. And I'm just amazed that it's this far up. Um and we're just looking, uh, yeah, it's down, you know, borderline for me on being kicked off the album. They actually did this one live as well a couple of times. So somewhere between heaven and hell is, you know, I've actually got that even lower. I've got that in 11th spot on my list. So mm-hmm. I don't like either of these. The rest of you obviously like them far more than I do. So, Alex, let's start with you. So, yeah, Betrayed, I betrayed. I put as number 10 on mine. Um I guess a little bit like yours. I don't know. I think maybe even just the placement is what kind of brings it down a little bit. Maybe if it was placed a little bit later in the album, it may have gone up a bit. And then somewhere between heaven and hell, that's just a guilty pleasure for me. I just, just kind of a guilty pleasure song. I just like the way it sounds and, you know, the, um, the chorus and everything. It's, it's quite enjoyable. Very refreshing. Good for a summer day. <laughs> and somewhere between heaven and hell. That that was that was the one. Some way, oh, sorry, I oh. I combined the two. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I, I, I was listening to you every word. I was hanging on to obviously. Sorry, um, uh, Daniel, your thoughts on those? I had both of uh, these songs rated pretty high. I think I had them in uh, Betrayed in fourth place and Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell in third place. Uh, so uh, let's start off with Betrayed. I kind of like the screaming, you know, rubbing the plectrum against uh, the the strings in the beginning. 
and uh, you have a high guitar note that sets the tone of the song. This is actually, for me, the only um, heavy metal song that works for Gene on this album. I always like my you know, hard rock heavy metal Gene songs. Um, I would have liked Eric's car to do some uh, more variations on his drumming, especially on the on the uh, on the, the verses. I think it's a bit uh, boring. He could have done more. Uh, actually, towards the end, he starts drumming a bit more uh, and do uh, more fills. But what they do? What do they do then? Well, a fade out, so you can't hear really what he does. So. Uh, and I like the speaking part in the song, uh, and it kind of reminds me of uh, Domino. I've been talking about Domino mm. the whole episode, but but I think uh, it kind of reminds me of Domino. It's not as good as Domino, but it's uh, and you have the Gene scream. I always like the Gene screams, and the chorus kind of sticks with you. You know, you don't forget the chorus after you heard this one. And um, I wish they would have put some more effort in, into this one as well. And I think it could have been a really good song. Uh, uh, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell is actually even better for me because... Uh, um, the bass. I think exactly that was what I was going to say. Yeah. This is the only song where I managed to hear a cool bass line. Uh, and that was very refreshing. I don't know if that's why I put this one as high as I did in, in uh, third or fourth place, wherever it was. Uh, but it's a really strong chorus, and it kind of reminds me of the one, the demo from Psycho Circus that Gene did. I always liked this one. I think it was called, uh, uh, ah, what's it called? The Gene demo. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to rule the world or something like that. I like the, the, I the, the chorus. The I want to rule the world. That's yeah, it. I always loved the the way that chorus stuck with me, much like this one, somewhere between heaven and hell. I think it's he sings it well, and um, I don't know. I, somehow I, those kind, those songs remind me of each other, and I like them both. Um, but um, uh, so I, I just like a cool bass line. And Gene sings well. Uh, this is more of a soft song, but it still has balls, you know. Yep, nice thoughts on that. I think you give me some things to go back and listen to and think about. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts on these? Yeah, I like both of these songs uh, a lot. Um, Betrayed kind of is one of those songs that gets stuck in my mind. You know, the <laughs> just the betrayed. You know, um, just gets stuck after I listen to it. Um, I, I keep hearing it. Um, it's a good, you know upbeat rocker by gene a solid solid song um somewhere between heaven and hell i i like a lot i like the way it comes in just the the groove the slow groove of it um is really cool and like like daniel said the you know the the bass it's it's kind of lower end heavy heaviness to it um so i enjoy that one a lot all right we're now into the top three and the, these three candidates are cantering away in the race and they're substantially in the lead in terms of their points and oddly enough they're all written by paul stanley uh well partially written by paul stanley and mm. uh let's see in third place on 50 points 
Hide Your Heart. And of course, uh, Holly Knight was on Eddie Trunk's radio show recently mm-hmm. and mentioned that she wrote the melody and the hook to the song, to which yeah. Paul Stanley replied, do you think you deserve a songwriting credit then? Um, <laughs> hook and melody, yeah, I think so. Um, but Phil Ashley plays keyboards in that, not Holly. Um, my problem with this song is, again, that it's been done by so many people. Molly Hatchett... Um, what was what was that gal's name? Robin Bonnie Beck. Tyler. Robin Beck. Robin Beck. Robin Beck. Bonnie Tyler. Um, Ace Frehley. Ace Frehley. He's not um, a girl. <laughs> no. no. That's okay. He didn't he didn't hear you anyway. So um, you you know it was just done by everyone. It was all over the place. Uh, but the Paul Stanley version is the very best. I just think that it should have been on yeah. Crazy Nights. It should have been used back then when you think of what it could have replaced on there, even if it made that album a little bit ballad happy. It would have been better than some of the oh, other yeah. stuff that got on there. And I think vocally, you know, replace my way with Hide Your Heart. Exactly. Um, it, it's a fantastic song. It's a fantastic video. It's a fantastic um guitar performance this is one of the songs on the album where bruce really stands out for me in terms of his playing so uh all together a great song so alex hide your heart i i love it i mean i know i have it on number three um but really the top three here songs i put for this you know the album was kind of ties i really i think paul had some great songwriting on this album. he's got a few duds but as expected sometimes but um, I always kind of wish, uh, well, one, I'm bummed they're not doing it on the end of the road tour anymore at this, this moment. Uh, but two, I always kind of like wish that Ace and Paul would have done like, had done like a collaboration of it, you know, whether it had been like live or, um, well, not, you know, cause they both did a version of it. I always kind of thought like, man, that would have been kind of a, a cool nod to the eighties era of Kiss. Uh, even though it was like the, the farewell tour you know because that's when he did like look it up and heavens on fire it would have been cool if you know paul done like maybe the first first and then ace did the second one you know just would have been a, a neat little unique thing to have done that I always thought was kind of a missed opportunity but hey it's kiss they're full of them hey and it's still possible you know nice i've never even thought about that that would have been great on the farewells or you know when they were actually pulling out some of that 80 stuff for ace and uh paul did that great great idea uh daniel your thoughts on it yeah, I'm kind of surprised it ended up in third place. This was my number one all the way. Uh, I like Paul singing a bit hoarse at times and uh, then uh, singing real high notes and uh, everything sounds perfect. Actually, a lot of people prefer Ace Frehley's version instead of this one, I guess because it sounds street and a bit rougher. But uh, to me, this is the best version. And I... One thing I really like about about this one is uh, it's kind of a story. Like Alex mentioned about one of the previous songs, uh, uh, there's a story in this one, and it translated really well into the video, I think. And uh, uh, it's a bit like Detroit Rock City or something like that. And, um, of course, Bruce's play on this one is brilliant, and um, uh, Carr does his job really well. And... uh, uh, so, uh, really, I, I'd give it 10 out of 10, this one. Yeah, phenomenal. phenomenal. Should have done better as a single, just like Reason to Live. Uh, Ken? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was lucky to see or hear the song before the album came out um, when I saw Paul Stanley on the solo, solo tour. Um, I was like, 
you know, what, what is this song? You know, mm. this is a new song. It's like, this is pretty darn good. This is a cool song. So I was looking forward to hearing it when they recorded it and put it on the album. Um, so yeah, it's, it sounds good. Great chorus, catchy song, nothing wrong with it. Solid song. All right. Two to go in second place on 53 points rise to it has always colored my opinions of this album because again you just drop the needle on this one and you get the kind of thing that cinderella had done and it kicks into high gear with just a great rock song again great chorus driven kind of anthemic kiss song um love it to pieces love the video like the black and white version before they took out all the close-ups of a particular woman in the in the crowd and uh liked how they put the makeup back on so that was kind of exciting and teasing what was in the rumor mill at the time you're like what the hell are they wearing the makeup why is there gina paul in makeup they, man they look weird um you know in, in in 1989 so everything that kind of tied in um you know very good kiss song um ken straight back to you yeah, that's a, a great, another great uh, opener to an album, as they usually have. Anyway, um, yeah, great, catchy tune, rockin', um, very Kiss, very Kiss-like. Um, yeah, and the video was, was cool, yeah, when they did the makeup thing, I was like, oh, this is really cool, you know. I was like, yeah, I wish they put the makeup back on, you know. Uh, I remember they were in, like, Rip Rip Magazine, I think, had it. I yes. remember buying that, and they had pictures of them. So, yeah, great, great. One of their, you know, another solid uh, lead-off song to their album. Daniel, your thoughts on? Yeah, I, I agree with Ken. It's a solid song. But to me, it's nothing more than a solid song. I think it's one of the weakest openers on the albums from the 80s. Uh, I've had enough uh, Exciter, you know, King of the Mountain, much stronger songs. And it really sets the tone for the album. This is, to me, a weaker album. So if you look at the stuff they had for this album, I guess this is the best they could could use in the first place. They, they need an up-tempo song. And on this album, this might be the best one. Mm -hmm. But it just isn't good enough to me. I'd give it like a 6 out of 10. It's a decent, solid song. Nothing special about it. And some really irritating sounds like to it. I mean, what the hell? Terrible. Can you do that again for me? I want to be watch the episode tonight. Please, though. You're going to use that as a ringtone, Alex. Alex, what were your thoughts on Rise to it? You know, I actually Wait, no, I'm sorry. You have to sing it, too, as well. I'm going to ride. But I actually do enjoy it. I don't care for the bluesy part. I'm not a huge bluesy fan of, of music. I know some people love it. Uh, like, uh, and, and I struggle with like Dave Manichetti of Y&T because he's got some solo stuff and it's all blues. And I'm kind of like, eh, it's, it's okay. Um, I think this, uh, you know, speaking of like setting the tone for the album, you know, could you imagine this album just started off, which is that boom, like the way it goes into and stuff without the blues. I think it could have, you know, 
it would have been at that point i think it would have brought it up stronger as a great lead off track mm. for the album if it just went bam right into it but i do i love the video uh, as well you know it was i mean i was you know i was a kid it was a baby when it came out so the makeup came back on when i was like uh, six going on seven um so i didn't have that experience of like kiss no makeup really like that's you know you guys kind of went through and stuff but um i always thought like the video was like a cool little um homage to the to the old days and stuff even if uh i think eric is wearing Vinny's vest in the video or yeah. whatnot and and i always kind of felt like i would have liked to have seen eric in the makeup too you know when they had paul and gene i get they were trying to do that 70s vibe and stuff but they could have totally have said like 1980 and and had eric you know getting it you know made up as well mm-hmm. the show could have put in some more effort into that makeup thing i mean Gene were wearing that beat-up costume from yeah. 1780s and so on. It was terrible to me. And that ugly-looking wig and all kinds. Of, Paul actually looked great, but even though he had some in the, the, the wrong clothes, he looked great. I would love to see a makeup tour in 1990, but the Hot the Shade tour uh, was pretty good. Yeah. In the Shade tour was totally bad. Yeah. Some of my favorite videos. Yeah, uh, mine too. The, just because of the great, great spread of uh, set list that really was yes. the best of yeah. 70s and For the 80s. first time, for the first time, they managed yeah. to put kind of set list together. All right, so a quick, a quick recap before we get to the very obvious number one. In 15th place, Boomerang. 14th, Read My Body. 13th, You Love Me to Hate You. 12th, Cadillac Dreams. 11th, Prisoner of Love. 10th, Loves a slap in the face. Ninth, Little Caesar. Eighth, Silver Spoon. Seventh, King of Hearts. Sixth, The Street Giveth. Fifth, Betrayed. Fourth, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Third, Rise Your Heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Second, heart. Rise to It. And number one, with 55 points, only just a winner, forever. Number eight hit, I think it was. It's just a incredibly powerful song. And performance. I uh, love the video, especially Gene smiling yeah. in that the demon smile uh, mm-hmm. with, with that white base. Eric Carr, you know, getting some great shots, and of course Paul's vocal, just um, absolutely amazing. I just seen uh, an update that they did. Every time I look at you tonight, uh, acoustically, I would love to hear forever again if Paul's able to do it. Um, I've just always enjoyed that song. It you know, it was a hit single that didn't generate a platinum album. So that kind of says where Kiss was at in 1990, unfortunately, that, you know, it was enough to have a great tour, but not a platinum album. Weird. Daniel, forever. Well, I guess this is a perfect song for the ladies and the sharks. You know, I'm not a ballad guy, but I do see the brilliance in uh, this song. I mean, uh, it's just perfect. 10 out of 10 for me, uh, even though I, I don't listen to it a lot. But my girlfriend, she always tells me that if we ever would get married, we've been together for like 20 years, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're not married yet. Uh, we should do it to this song. And she's not really a Kiss fan. And she's kind yeah. of tired of listening to Kiss, as you might understand. Uh, but she's always said that if we ever get married, we need to do it to that song because she loves it. Uh, I because think she's been waiting something. forever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it's just beautiful, and I, and I like the 
it seems like they put a lot more effort into this song compared to the rest, actually. And the harmonies on the on the chorus, for example, every other chorus is like soccer, you know, soccer fans uh, yeah. chanting together. But yeah, this so one is actually very thought out and, and very well performed. So it's a perfect ballad. Ken, what are your thoughts on Forever? You also had it as your number one pick. Yeah, I mean, I always loved the song. Um, uh, it was all over the radio back then, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always liked the song. I think I even got the single before uh, when it came out. Um, and one thing you did mention is, is you know, Bruce Kulick's uh, guitar solo was fan- is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, well, one of his best, yeah. like, oh, it's like yes. Beatlesque kind of uh, a solo. Oh, yeah. um, very, very good. I think he's... I think he's even said that it's it's one of his best, you know, he's of of his own solo. So, but yeah, just a great song. Um, uh, who was it? He, he wrote it with um, what's his face? Michael Bolton. <laughs> Michael Bolton. Yeah. Um, which is really surprising, um, but uh-huh. maybe not so surprising based on the the style of song um, being a ballad. But because if you ever got, I had a Bolton rocking album. You know, which was pretty darn good in its own right. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, back then, which Bruce played on, and that was good. So, but yeah, this great, great song. I just oh. forgot one thing. You know, the keyboards. Uh, when I listened to it the other day, I think there, are, there are too much keyboards on this song. But I guess at the, back in the day, it was cool. But but now I feel they could tone down the the keyboards a bit. But other than that, perfect. Alex, you actually ranked this the lowest of us, so I did, and it's it's not that I don't like it. I do like it. I just if I'm going to to hot in the shade, there's like the rocking songs I want to hear and stuff. It is a great ballad. We played it at my wedding reception uh, three plus years ago. Uh, wasn't our wedding song. That was faithfully by Journey. Uh, good song too. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I, I love forever. I remember um. I guess technically this was my first introduction for this album, technically, because my dad had the uh, extreme close-up on VHS, and, and I remember this being on there. So I've always loved the video. That uh, as it sepia, is that like what you call like the sepia tone with the black and yeah. white? Uh, it's just a great song. And I, I mean, I know they did every time I look at you on Unplugged, but I've always been missed opportunity. Head scratchers was always surprised this wasn't on the Unplugged, uh, you know, album. Um, it just such a good one. I was really glad it was on the Kiss Symphony with the acoustic, though I, I would love to just have had an acoustic version without the little ensemble to it. And then Bruce's solo is beautiful. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. beautiful solo, beautiful song. Just, uh, you know, a nice way to finish out. You know, you really have to trudge through some sludge on this album, um, and that's clear. You know, so what are the songs that you would, you know, take four songs, 11 song albums, kind of normal back then. What are the four songs that you would drop off this album? You know, what are the picks that you agree with for us? What are you shocked that we actually liked and whose opinion was absolutely wrong as far as you're concerned? Now, that's the Kiss of a Q panel's ranking for Hot in the Shade. I like that. You actually got one of those. <laughs> Son that's of a nice, guy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really nice collectible to have as well. Bruce's favorite. Yeah. Even Bruce showed it off. Yeah, Bruce showed it the other day. Yeah. Cool stuff. So we're going to leave that there. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Rise your heart. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. 
If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.